0: From Sarasota Memorial, this is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Heidi Godman. In this episode, we're going to be talking about advances in heart surgery. In particular, we're going to find out about the vast experience of the SMH cardiac surgery team the components of the SMH cardiac program, and the exciting advances in heart procedures happening at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. Our guest is Dr. Jeffrey Sell, a cardiovascular thoracic surgeon and chief of cardiothoracic surgery at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. Welcome. Thank you. So you have this vast uh, amount of experience. It encompasses so much of cardiac care, and it starts with some really fascinating training. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Uh, so I, I went to college at Yale and then uh, Harvard developed a program with MIT that was a high, highly technical MD degree program and I was one of uh, 25 people accepted into the seventh year of that program. So I went through med school there knowing I was uh, hoping to do surgery at the end of that and went on to do my training at the, the Brigham and at uh, Children's Hospital in Boston and then also at the NIH all in, uh, in Cardiac
1: Okay, so so you spend a lot of time in Boston, then you go to D.C. hospitals, you're doing a lot of surgery there in both places, um, and we're talking about decades that you were there, and you also have extensive experience performing non-surgical, minimally invasive, and open-heart procedures, including pediatric, as you were saying, and transplant surgery. Also, you have some administrative surgery, years of research, academic leadership, and then you bring all of that. To the Sun Coast, what was it about the program at Sarasota Memorial that attracted you?
0: Well, it's a it's an unusual sequence of things that that led me there. I did uh, congenital heart surgery for about eleven years, uh, and uh, that field is a, a field where the cardiologists and the cardiac surgeons work very closely together. I then had an opportunity to join an adult group with a good friend of mine who was also a congenital heart surgeon, and we we wanted to bring that same concept uh, to adult cardiology and cardiac surgery, develop a real strong team approach to the care of the patient. And after we succeeded in that, I saw an opportunity to bring that to a program that I could, uh, could run. And with uh, the cardiologists at Sarasota, Dr. Fox being the chief there, uh, we were able to bring that concept uh, to bear.
1: And the hospital's cardiac program is aligned with Columbia University. Can you explain how that works?
0: Yes, we're what's called a Columbia Heart Source Hospital, which means uh, we have a strong affiliation with them. They help us with our uh, our data management. And also when we have new procedures or new uh, things we want to look at or complex cases we want to discuss with someone, uh, we talk to the Columbia surgeons. They come sometimes and help us. We go up there and observe Uh, Operations sometimes even scrub in up there. So it's a real strong, uh, very close relationship, unlike a lot of uh, hospitals have relationships with other institutions.
1: And the amount of heart-related procedures that are happening at Sarasota Memorial Hospital, the numbers to me just seem staggering. It's more than 8,000 procedures a year. I might even be really low on that. How does that compare to other programs that you have maybe been involved in or that you know about?
0: Well, when I arrived there, the heart surgery program was down around 400 cases a year. And most heart surgery programs nowadays are decreasing in number. We've gone over 1,000 the last two years and and had very strong growth, which has been very dependent on our outcomes and uh, being able to draw cases back to the hospital and from the surrounding area that, uh, that allow us to provide an expertise that's really not available.
1: But you're talking about surgery there, right?
0: That's just surgery. That's not counting catheterizations, uh, uh, certain versions of uh, of uh, valve uh, procedures done by the cardiologist. That's only our surgical procedures or the TAVR procedures we do with the cardiologist.
1: So you have this great program and it takes of course great experts to to make it something really special. And you do have that. Tell us about the high caliber of the rest of the team.
0: Well, we've really uh, uh, brought in some people that are really excellent at what they do and uh, have been able to allow that, that group of people to specialize a little bit in different areas. Um, And so we have uh, Dr. Fong who does uh, very highly complex uh, uh, catheter uh, or rather revascularization types of procedures. Dr. Kelly who's been there for a long time and is really good with patients who are older, which is an excellent expertise in Sarasota. We have Dr. Hofberger, who does minimally invasive uh, procedures. I do adult congenital and uh, and, uh, some of the aortic work. Uh, and then we have Dr. Vesco, who does our uh, atrial fib surgery, and is also an expert in endocarditis, and uh, uh, and he does uh, robotic mostly thoracic but does some cardiac robotic as well.
1: And you have this incredible working environment. I'm going to read a list here of uh, all of the different places you have to work out of. So you have catheterization labs, electrophysiology labs, a valve clinic, a research center, intelligent operating rooms called eye suites that include a hybrid OR, robotic surgery suites, and interventional, neurointerventional radiology suites. This sounds like uh, heart surgery or heart procedures in another century, just so advanced. And something I want to know more about, the hybrid OR, how does that work?
0: Well, when we started looking at doing procedures that would be involving both the possibility of surgery and uh, interventional cardiology, we... we, uh, Put in an operating room that allows us to have both a cath lab and an operating room in one room uh, and it's been amazingly useful not only for complex cardiac procedures for our valve procedures but uh, uh, we even delivered a baby in there the other day whose mom had a complex vascular problem that needed to have intervention for that. So it's a really amazing uh, uh, suite of things that can be done there.
1: And I don't know if people are aware, but it used to be that cardiologists would just do things in one place, uh, maybe just the office, then then some particular cardiologist can do things in the cath lab. And the heart surgeons would be in another place. Now you've brought those two together. What kind of difference does it make?
0: Well, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come here was it makes a huge difference because we can determine the best options for a patient uh, much like the cancer doctors have a tumor board, we we put together surgeons and cardiologists in the same room and look at different patients and say, what's the best option here? Uh, is surgery really the right answer for this? Is medical treatment the right answer? Can we intervene with some other option? And so it allows us, I think, to provide much better care of these patients over a longer period of time.
1: And when we talk about minimally invasive surgery too, uh, because you just mentioned, do we really need surgery? Minimally invasive surgery seems to be the big buzz in in heart procedures, and Memorial has done uh, so many different TAVR procedures, which is replacing a particular type of heart valve with a catheter. Tell us about some of those procedures.
0: So minimally invasive uh, options really include a, a complex gamut of things. We have a catheter-based uh, interventional program, which allows us to put a heart valve into, a, into certain positions with a catheter, with a, uh, with a small uh, stick in the groin or, or another access point uh, without a big operation and often without even going completely to sleep. Uh, minimally invasive heart surgery. Dr. Hoffberger uh, runs that program for us and he does valve replacements and valve procedures, mostly mitral valve repairs uh, through a two or three inch incision in the side of the chest. Those patients are back active very quickly and his expertise at uh, repairing these valves is uh, is, I think uh, comparable to anybody in the country.
1: And you're also doing something really incredible for people who have atrial atrial fibrillation. So that's when the, the top chambers of the heart, the atria, are beating properly and the blood can pool in there, so you have to be on blood thinners. But you are doing something that may help people uh, get off of those blood thinners, right?
0: So yes, yeah. so we do, uh, we have a lot of different uh, approaches to stop the atrial fibrillation, and Dr. Vesco does that through a catheter-based, uh, or, or rather through a minimally invasive type of procedure, what we call th- uh, thoracoscopic, so small one to two inch incisions. But in addition to that, we are occluding something called the atrial appendage, which is where we think most of the clot forms for people in atrial fibrillation, and we have information that patients who've had that occluded don't necessarily have to uh, be on blood thinner uh, at at any period of time. And in this population here, as patients are getting older, have atrial fibrillation, may be looking at a hip replacement, a knee replacement, uh, problems like that where they want to be able to be off uh, anticoagulation for periods of time. Uh, It's really a bonus to them.
1: And what about the other ways to stop AFib? Because I remember and got to observe years and years ago when radiofrequency ablation was just starting to be used to try to zap away uh, different types of irregular heartbeats. How far have we come?
0: So we use radiofrequency and cryoablation in the operating room in different combinations and different uh, uh procedures, uh, along with our colleagues in the electrophysiology lab. Uh, often they'll send patients to us, although they have approaches uh, using things like the Watchman, where they can, in certain circumstances with a favorable atrial appendage, include the appendage. So again, it's a really uh, give and take with them what's the best option for a certain patient.
1: And what about aneurysms? So aortic aneurysms, what are you able to do with that now? And how far have we come with that?
0: So, aortic aneurysms, uh, right after the, the artery comes out of the heart, that's still a surgical field and we do uh, we do about 50 of those kind of procedures a year. Most people consider any hospital is doing more than 10 to 15 as having a pretty extensive program and we did 50, I think 52 last year. That includes dissections, that includes a- aortic aneurysms but along with that we're also following those patients uh, uh, because we have specific guidelines that say when the operation is needed and uh, uh, how fast it might be growing uh, to tell us we need to do something sooner. So I see probably three or four patients in the office every week who are just seeing every six months every year to make sure that their aneurysm doesn't require intervention.
1: And dissection, let's talk about that for a moment. I think everybody remembers when actor John Ritter was rushed to the hospital and he had a a tear in his aorta and people didn't really seem to know a lot about it or how they could treat it and, and we lost actor John Ritter. Have we come a lot farther since then?
0: It's still a very dangerous procedure and one of the biggest problems is uh, people are now becoming better at recognizing it and uh, we've uh, done a lot in terms of operating on it. A lot of it has to do with brain protection and uh, ways to keep blood flowing to the brain while you fix parts of the uh, aorta that are involved in the takeoff of the arteries that feed the brain. We do uh, uh, cerebral monitoring, we watch the brain uh, blood flow in every patient we do in the hospital which is unique and it allows us to be uh, experienced with that technology and also to protect some of the patient's brains as well.
1: What about robots? I mean you're, you're in there doing these intricate little moves and rebuilding things and all kinds of uh, very precise movements. Are we using robots more in heart surgery or other types of heart procedures or not so much yet?
0: Robots uh, uh, gained some popularity about five to 10 years ago. And what we found was that we could do similar things to the robot uh, with minimally invasive surgeries like Dr. Hofberger does without the cost of the robotic equipment. But now we're starting to see some opportunities in coronary bypass grafting uh, in very rare and unusual circumstances. But still the standard is uh, open procedures and those results have become so uh, difficult to compete with uh, with any new technology. And certainly the problem is that you don't want uh, to put people on a learning curve that's 25 or 30 cases. Uh, so it, it's a very difficult question for us to look at how much is worth it and how much is uh is done by the ways that are well proven
1: and uh talk about well proven you you had all these years with cardiac surgery when you were helping to repair congenital heart problems with children now you do that with adults did your experience with kids influence your experience with adults i mean what kind of perspective do you have
0: so the the experience with kids mostly it was learning that the cardiologists and the cardiac surgeons are a team and that and that there are good teamwork ways to take care of patients. But what we have with adults that we had a little bit of with kids at individual hospitals, what we have now for adults is something called the s t s database. That's about 7 million to 8 million patients that we have complete records on every patient that gets operated on. So we can look at our results and tell how we stack up to about 1,000 other hospitals in North America.
1: And what kind of results are we seeing at Sarasota Memorial Hospital? What kind of patient outcomes? I mean, whether it's for congenital heart surgery or any of the other procedures that we've been talking about.
0: So for the main procedures we look at, the, the STS looks at five uh, uh, standard procedures that are going to go up from that. But we're in the top, we were at one point and still are in the top three or four hospitals in the country with outcomes. So we're comparable to the Cleveland Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, uh, other hospitals uh, that do these kinds of procedures with outcomes that are, are trackable and that we can see how we match up and we do extraordinarily well.
1: Is it our, our population that is causing our hospital to see so many different heart procedures. Is it that, are we getting better at detection? Uh, Are we seeing an increase in heart problems because of the American diet and diabetes and obesity? What do you think is driving that amount of cases toward the hospital?
0: I think there are a couple things. One is the growth of the area. Two is the age of the population in this area. When we match ourselves up to other hospitals, we certainly have an older population Uh, And yet the patient in Sarasota who's 84 years old is a lot different than the 84-year-olds I took care of up north who were not as active and not out in the winter months uh, exercising and things like that. So I think we have a very favorable area in terms of the way the patients
1: age. And compared to when you started, you must have seen this just huge change in technology as we've been talking about. Where do you see things going from here?
0: It's a very good question because one thing I've had time enough to see is things come and go. And uh, so you never know what's going to jump uh, ahead and then suddenly not turn out to be as good as we thought. So, for example, for a period of time, we did a lot of surgery for coronary artery disease without stopping the heart. And now we know that that's probably not as good as the regular surgery we did. We see certain valves that come and we think are great. And then six, seven years later, they may not be as good. So we are are very cognizant of the fact that we have to watch everything we do uh, with with excellent data and be very evidence-based and not adopt things uh, randomly and it, know that they're good before we do
1: is the technology changing so fast that you know investing in one kind of equipment well but then it changes but then it changes you know in in some types of uh technological arenas such as cell phones you know every six months there's something that's outdated is that the same in medicine because we are making advances or is it not moving quite that fast?
0: It, it actually moves very fast. And one of the concerns we have is that we'll see something that we use for two or three years be replaced by something else that we don't know is better. Uh, And uh, we have to say, well, this is the newest version. We think it's an improvement. And you have to be aware of what people did to improve something. So catheter valves, uh, they improve them by making them smaller, not necessarily making them last longer. We put uh, uh, catheter-based valves in patients who were not candidates for surgery. Now we can put catheter-based valves in on pretty much anyone who's a candidate for an aortic valve replacement, but we do know that these valves have a finite lifetime and we don't know what it is because we've only been putting them in six or seven years.
1: And the valves have made a huge difference for older adults who wouldn't be candidates for open surgery, right?
0: That's exactly the population that it's been an incredibly successful intervention for
1: and you're making a big change in people's lives, and the heart program is only going to continue to grow and expand, what's ahead for it?
0: I think we're going to learn more and more about catheter-based valves. I think we're going to learn more things about ways to take care of the aorta uh, without uh, operating. I think we're going to see new treatments for atrial fibrillation that'll become less and less invasive. I think we're gonna become better at dealing with the mitral valve, which right now we have a good catheter-based option for the aortic valve. We have a palliation that we can do with the catheter for the mitral valve, but we have no uh, catheter-based valve replacement for the mitral valve that's really caught on yet. Uh, And I think that's gonna be the next step in the future.
1: And you'll be on top of that.
0: We'll be right there. Thanks to us in Columbia, uh, uh, helping us stay right at the forefront.
1: Dr. Jeff Sell, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody, time now for our takeaways. One is that heart surgeons and cardiologists can now work together in hybrid operating rooms at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. Two is that advances in technology are making heart procedures safer and more effective, and they're resulting in faster recovery times. And three, for more information about Sarasota Memorial Hospital's cardiac program, just call 941-917-7777.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit smh.com.
1: Follow us on your favorite social media network.